And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day where there is at least some uh, good news from one part of the United States. And it's a part you wouldn't expect the news to come from. Uh, no, it's not California, but not too far away. Uh, we will talk about a city that has, at least according to a massive new report, sobered up, uh, gotten better from its position as a poster child uh, for American urban disaster zones. Uh, we will get to that story. Uh, we will also cover the... Uh, the idea of using the dysfunction in some cities, particularly California cities, cities that are totally run and uh, guided by Democrats and Democratic values. Uh, Ron DeSantis had just released a video uh, that actually highlights the sad state of the city of San Francisco. And there's another video that has gone viral uh, and I made the mistake of seeing it. It's, it's extremely disturbing. Uh, we will play the sound for you. But the, <clears throat> the video of a group of teenagers sacking a McDonald's in Los Angeles and uh, honestly coming in, threatening the staff who was working there, stealing the cash register, throwing things at, at people, it's extraordinarily depressing and upsetting. And we will talk about that and talk about what is wrong with kids today. Uh, that's, uh, of course, the title of a, a, a song, uh, uh, What Are You Gonna Do About the Younger Generation? A song from Flower Drum Song, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein musical. But uh, there is something wrong with the kids today. Why is it that uh, Generation Z struggles to make and keep friendships? And uh, they regularly say that uh, they don't enjoy life as much as other ages. We will get to that as well on uh, this hour of the Michael Medved Show. Okay, uh, first up, uh, the streets of San Francisco. Uh, Ron DeSantis is uh, still trying to build some new momentum in his campaign. According to the most recent polls, he has held steady at a time when there has been a slight decline in the support, support for President Trump, who's still way ahead. But it means that the race has gotten somewhat closer. And uh, Ron DeSantis released a video about what's going on in San Francisco and noting how much the city has fallen apart. He was just in California for a fundraising event, of course, uh, near the home of Gavin Newsom in Sacramento. Wow. Uh, but this is what uh, the DeSantis uh, visit to California sounded like in terms of a political ad video. Listen. We're here in the once great city of San Francisco. We came in here and we saw people defecating on the street. We saw people using heroin. We saw people smoking crack cocaine. And you look around 
the city is not vibrant anymore. It's really collapsed because of leftist policies. And uh, these policies have caused people to flee this area. They don't prosecute criminals like they do in most parts of the country. Uh, and the wreckage has really, really been sad to see. And so I've seen so many businesses boarded up. Uh, I've seen so much uh, riffraff just running around. And um, it just shows you these policies matter. Uh, leadership matters. They are doing it wrong here. No wonder why we've had so many people move from San Francisco to Florida over the last few years. We got to stop this madness. Uh, we need to restore sanity to this country. Uh, look, I think that's a powerful message. And that's one of the best things that uh, we've heard in a while from uh, Governor DeSantis. And good for him. There's a huge article today. And it's one of those things that goes on and on and on and on. Uh, but it's about how conservatives are attacking the housing first policy on homelessness. In other words, the uh, the idea of people like Gavin Newsom and London Breed, mayor of San Francisco, how are they going to do with the fact that they have more homeless people and more homeless people per capita than anywhere else in San Francisco? We just build houses because the way to deal with homeless people is to give them free housing and to put them in the housing, no strings attached. And of course, the conservative approach, and we've given air to it on uh, on this show, talking to a lot of experts who are really out there in the trenches trying to make a difference. Uh, you You have to do something about mental illness and you have to do something about drug addiction. And you can't pretend that you're all of a sudden going to change somebody by taking him from a tent in a city park and putting him in a city subsidized home, whether it's a tiny home or whether it's a motel that you bought somewhere that you're providing a home to people. It, but people are not who are deeply, deeply troubled. It's not like, oh, well, yeah, now I've got a nice place where I can stay. There's a roof over my head. I'm going to turn my life around. I, I am sure that that happens occasionally, but generally the housing first priorities on homelessness have not worked. They haven't worked at all. And one of the things that doesn't work is also the, the lack of law enforcement in Los Angeles. There was a, uh, a terrible incident where there are a group of teenagers and uh, they've arrested one suspect, according to the LAPD. But this was a large group. It was, uh, looking at the video, it looks like it was probably 10 or more, uh, who came into a McDonald's and just looted the place, uh, attacked the people who were working there, uh, started smashing things, throwing things at the employees, threatening the employees, and then eventually, you can see them, they, they took the cash register, uh, smashed it, banged it open, uh, took out money, and ran off. And again, it sounded like this. Uh, you can imagine what the scene looked like uh, if, if you can hear the soundtrack. Listen. <laughs> 
This cell video posted on social media shows a wild robbery at the McDonald's restaurant on Crenshaw at 43rd Street in Lamert Park Monday evening. You can hear screaming and yelling as the raucous group literally rips out the cash register from its foundation and carries it away. On Tuesday, everything looked back to normal in the McDonald's restaurant. Most customers we spoke to knew nothing about the robbery that took place less than 24 hours before. But the LAPD told Fox 11 they had arrested one 19-year-old and were looking for other suspects who they identified. I've seen a video of that on Instagram. It's crazy because I, I think I left like right around that same time. Up and down Crenshaw, not far from Monday's Juneteenth Festival, businesses sang the praises of the Juneteenth Festival as a celebration of culture and good for business. It's not clear how much the robbers got away with, but the scene of the cash register dragged out to the street where multiple people took whatever cash they could grab was haunting. There was some wild stuff going on uh, yesterday. I feel like it was it got a little hot for a second, and there was a lot of people crowded together, and that probably created you know some type of animosity or I don't know. But that's unfortunate for sure. I'm yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. And again, what it makes you think of is okay. I, I know it's McDonald's, big company. But the amount of work that must have been involved with trying to clean it up and to reopen and to keep going, uh, we will be right back with what's wrong with kids today and more coming up. Michael Medved. And on the Michael Medved show... Uh, there's a headline, anti-social behavior. Uh, and yes, that could apply to what you just heard about that uh, McDonald's that was ransacked and Crenshaw in, in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, horrible, horrible story. And only one arrest so far. Um, anti-social behavior, why Generation Z struggles to make and keep friendships. It's... Um, thought-provoking piece in the New York Post and they write with an abundance of research backing the importance of friendship to our sense of belonging well-being health and happiness there is no doubt that for the majority of us these social connections are integral to our lives there was just a uh, an advisory by the Surgeon General of the United States who's a very good guy uh, called Vivek Murthy and Dr. Murthy, uh, who's also, of course, a naval admiral, uh, uh, Dr. Murthy was speaking about the lack of friendship uh, with so many people, and it's a very, very high percentage, particularly of American men, uh, where they're, they're asked, uh, do you have a best friend? It's uh, about half of American men say they don't which is incredible and sad and uh, the lack of friendship the lack of social connection Dr. Murthy the Surgeon General points out ha has the same negative impact on your life expectancy and your general health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day 
And by the way, this is not to recommend smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's to recommend uh, build up social connections and friendships. Uh, research uh, conducted by several institutions, including Dartmouth University, has found that Generation Z, those who were born between 1997 and 2012, are struggling to make friends and to keep friends. At the root of the issue, the experts say, was the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions enforced at the height of the pandemic, many of which prohibited or restricted working from the office or workplace and attending school or university in person, which significantly impacted Gen Z's social circles as well as their social skills. While school and work had traditionally been consistent shared experiences for young adults in past generations, these organizations no longer serve that purpose, uh, the report says. Relationships Australia NSW CEO named Elizabeth Saw, Shaw said, we underestimate the social role workplaces play in our lives. At certain studies of life, certain stages of life, particularly as people transition from school into the workforce, a workplace can be critical to us socially, she said. The uh, flow-on effect from the absent in-person workplace interaction has meant not only that uh, Gen Z faces a couple of years with little or in some cases no social networking at a formative time in their lives, but they also found that many social skills required to do so now in the post-pandemic era have simply not been formed. Research uh, conducted by Janice McCabe, who's an associate sociology professor at Dartmouth, between 2016 and 2021 has highlighted this antisocial behavior. Making new friends was really tough during the pandemic, she said, so networks across the board were shrinking. Research conducted by Job Sage in 2022 has shown similar findings with friendship dynamics changing due to hybrid and remote work settings. Nearly one in four Americans has a work friend that they've never met in person. And as their workplaces inevitably change over time, it might be harder to hold on to those friendships. And friendships made in the workplace diminished with each generation. 40% of baby boomers say they have workplace friends followed by Gen X, 37%, Millennials, 35%. But Gen Z, that's way down at 24%. A huge problem. The future for Gen Z's friendships uh, points to fostering alternative modes of meeting new people and maintaining these friendships, including apps and social networking uh, with face group uh, Facebook groups currently leading the way. Hard to think of Facebook leading the way to anything. The the difficulty is uh, is very real, and for people who want to put the devastation of the pandemic that we just experienced. First of all, remember a million people died of that disease. And secondly, the damage to our institutions and our relationships and everything else is uh, remarkable. 
there is some uh, breaking news uh, coming up. Uh, the uh, state election board in Georgia has just uh, cleared Fulton County uh, the uh, cleared the Fulton County ballot suitcase investigation. What did they find? Did they find evidence of fraud? Remember, they were showing uh, videos of a, a suitcases full of ballots. So did anything go wrong in Fulton County, Georgia? That was a major claim uh, about the conspiracy to steal the 2020 election. And uh, there's also a, a desire to steal the 2024 election, not to steal it, but to win it on the uh, part of Democrats using one issue above all others. What issue? Uh, it's uh, the issue of abortion, of course. And uh, this is uh, we're approaching the one year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade of the Dobbs case, Dobbs versus the uh, Women's Health Collective of Jackson uh, in Mississippi. Uh, and Kamala Harris uh, is speaking on that. And, you know, whenever Kamala Harris speaks. It's uh, extremely important, particularly for her political opponents, to listen because there'll be something there. And uh, there's also Chris Christie with some context on Trump's failed promises. Uh, we will get to that and to a city sobering up after years of disorder. That and more. 1976. And on the Michael Medved Show, big headline and big news from Atlanta. The state election board has finally uh, finished its investigation of the ballot suitcase case. Uh, what did they find? Was there, in fact, fraud in Fulton County? Uh, headline... Report finds no evidence of conspiracy, no fraud. Uh, yesterday, the State Election Board dismissed case SEB 2020-059, a long-running investigation into alleged malfeasance during the 2020 election in uh, Atlanta. Over the course of the investigation, it was confirmed that numerous allegations made against the Fulton County Department of Registration and Elections, and specifically two election workers, were totally false and unsubstantiated. We remain diligent and dedicated to looking into real claims of voter fraud, said the Secretary of State in Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, a Republican and loyal Republican, just reelected, by the way. We are glad the state election board finally put this issue to rest. False claims and knowingly false allegations made against these election workers have done tremendous harm. Election workers deserve our praise for being on the front lines. And then, and then Reason Magazine says in a headline, another Georgia probe finds no evidence of conspiracy to steal the 2020 election. The uh, Trump campaign's claim that two Atlanta poll workers pulled fraudulent ballots from a suitcase on election night are false and unsubstantiated, and that's in quotes, after a two-year investigation. 
in the weeks after the 2020 presidential election, uh, Republicans, including then-President Trump and Rudy Giuliani, one of Trump's top attorneys, it's, it's peculiar to talk about Rudy Giuliani as a top attorney, given his recent record. Um, he claimed that video footage from State Farm Arena in Atlanta uh, confirmed that something shady had gone on during the vote counting in Georgia. That video footage supposedly showed two election workers who were pulling ballots from a secret suitcase and entering them into official counts after hours. That according to reports in uh, One America News Network. Uh, Giuliani testified to a Georgia legislative committee that poll workers overseeing the counting of ballots at State Farm Arena had engaged in blatant fraud. Those claims were explosive, but totally wrong. And by the way, uh, <laughs> I am sure there are some attorneys in uh, Atlanta area who have found the uh, election workers who were smeared and implicated in this. And uh, there may be some additional legal action to test uh, Rudy Giuliani's uh, top status as a representative of uh, the uh, legal profession. Speaking of representatives of the legal profession, another lawyer of whom I am not fond uh, is uh, the Vice President of the United States, the Honorable Kamala Harris, uh, approaching the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. She was interviewed by MSNBC on the topic, and she responded with her uh, normal uh, eloquence and persuasiveness. This is uh, Vice President Harris, clip 10. This is a foundational principle for our country. We were founded on the notion that government should at some point stay out of people's business. <laughs> yeah. To, to say it in an academic way. <laughs> the legal. <laughs> the legal matter. The legal right? Uh, that was hilarious, and uh, again, particularly for uh, somebody on the liberal side of things, why then would would Vice President Harris, and, and she, she does, she supports using taxpayer money to pay for abortions. Uh, she wants to use the government's money. If the government is going to stay out of people's business, which I think is an admirable uh, course to take, uh, why why would you want to fund people's business when it comes to terminating pregnancies? And uh, then she went on to say this. This is clip nine. Freedom. The freedom and the ability of an individual to make decisions about their own life and literally their own body. And I, I think there's some a piece of this also that underlying it all is, hey, Trust women. <laughs> Trust them to know what is in their best interest. What are we saying that a bunch of people in a state capital in yeah. Washington, D.C. are in a better position to make a decision for her than she is in terms of what is in her best interest, the best interest of her ham family? Especially when we consider that the majority of women who receive abortion care are mothers. Yeah. Okay. 
By the way, it, it is true, and it's one of the surprising things, and it's worth noting, that generally when people think of abortions, you think of single women, children born out of wedlock. Most of the abortions that are performed in the United States are to people who have already given birth. They already have some children at home. And the the point about this, the idea that uh, it's none of the government's business, most people in America, and it is an overwhelming majority, believe that late-term abortions should not be sanctioned. And and again, basically what you're, you're dealing with in most of the cases of states that are arguing back and forth are, are bans that wouldn't even interfere with most abortions that occur because 95% of the abortions that occur in the United States take place during the first 15 weeks of pregnancy. Uh, but the the notion that a an eight-month-old baby, this is one of the reasons that we had a case here in Seattle where a uh, Korean-American restaurateur and her husband, she was eight months pregnant, were riding in their car when a homeless guy, uh, very mentally ill, uh, just started chasing after the car and then shot through the window and killed the mother and, and killed the baby that was eight months pregnant in the womb. The baby had been delivered, but it didn't survive. Uh, is that uh, we respond to that differently than we do to uh, an earlier uh, baby in the process of development? Well, sure, and uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, I I do think that the the ultimate outcome of this issue of abortion, doing it state by state, first of all, uh, this is one of those areas where I think. President Trump is right, is this should be decided as a state issue, uh, not necessarily as a national issue with one size fits all. And one of the reasons for that is that obviously you are closer to the people and you can come out with laws that actually reflect the will of the people, which is going to be very different in California uh, or Oregon or Washington than it would be in Mississippi or Louisiana or West Virginia. And uh, meanwhile, when you actually begin to look at the use of this issue, uh, the use of this issue has to do with extremism on the left side of the spectrum. Because to suggest that people should pay in taxes uh, for uh, for abortion is not freedom of choice. Uh, it doesn't define freedom to fund people's choices. And uh, that is one of those points about this debate that I, I do hope that uh, Republicans will make more effectively. Uh, speaking of which, uh, there is a city that is doing a better job. And uh, turning...
And on the Michael Medved Show, there was a Senate hearing today about the explosive issue of having biological men who have re-identified themselves and remolded themselves as women, having those men participate in women's sports. And uh, we're going to be playing you several highlights from these exchanges because they're extraordinarily illuminating. But we couldn't even wait. Uh, Ted Cruz asked uh, one of the witnesses, someone who was very much in favor of uh, so-called transgender rights, the president of the Human Rights Campaign, HRC, whose name is Kelly Robinson, to ask her a, a fundamental question that, uh, that uh, I guess could stump some of our most profound philosophers and uh, most informed activists. A question, is there a difference between men and women that is significant or that matters? Uh, listen to this exchange. With Ms. Gaines, that there's a difference between women and men? If the question is about trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? I mean, what I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition okay, okay, happened, I'm, I'm gonna try the again. rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It, it's a yes-no question. It, is, it, do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the NCAA. No, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most I, people could answer this very simply. I, I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of the that conversation yes? that we're having. I think that there are definitions is, related is, to is, sex. Is that a yes? So I'm that trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get, get a speech. Oh, I, is I'm, there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. Okay, so you're not answering that. Let me gender. ask you this question then. Why do women's sports exist? If you can't define a difference between women and men, why not abolish women's sports and just tell little girls to swim with little boys and see who wins? Oh, I'm simply saying that um, that sex My is question, different than gender. Why and I do, do believe why that women's, do women's sports, sports have a great exist? value. I mean, Senator, I'll tell M you right Ms. now. Ms. Robinson, please answer the question I'm asking you. Absolutely. Why do women's sports exist? I think that there are so many positive benefits to sports. But I mean, why have a separate category for women? If, if, you, if there's no difference between women and men, why to have women's sports? I'm saying that there's a difference between sex and gender and that the NCAA has rules in place, which they have for the so last Mr. decade. Mr. Chairman, I, I would like to enter into the record an, an article from Duke, Duke Law called Comparing Athletic Performances for the Best Elite Women to Boys and Men. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, look, this is actually, uh, I'm, I've got to hand it to Senator Cruz. It's a, a brilliant tack to take. If there's no difference between men and women, then why do women's sports exist? Why, why not simply have the women compete together with the men uh, in everything? Uh, the uh, whole idea of a separate sports for women, uh, why is it there? And the, the right answer, of course, is because if uh, you had open competition between men and women in most sporting events, I know gymnastics is different, figure skating is different, but for most of the sports that people play, the Olympic sports and others, uh, there's a difference. And uh, good for Senator Cruz for going after that. Uh, meanwhile, good for the city of Portland. There's a piece in City Journal called Portland Sobers Up. 
and I can't believe I'm very excited about reading this, and it actually makes me want to visit Portland. Uh, It says, in the summer of 2020, Portland, Oregon became the poster child for American urban disaster zones. During the day, tens of thousands of citizens protested peacefully against police brutality following the murder of George Floyd. But everything changed after dark. Nonviolent demonstrators with jobs, school assignments, and kids to raise went home. Hundreds of anarchists swarmed in to take their place and waged a low-grade insurgency against the city. They fought pitched battles with the cops, throwing rocks, frozen water bottles, fireworks, buckets of excrement, and even Molotov cocktails. They attacked coffee houses, immigrant-owned restaurants, mom-and-pop retail stores, banks, museums, churches, bus stops, and the Multnomah County Democratic Party headquarters with baseball bats, crowbars, and hammers. Most were military-age white males wearing all black clothing and hiding their faces. And name he goes on. Uh, and then they say, but while it's too soon to declare that Portland's troubles have past, the worst now may be over. Despite ongoing woes, Portland looks and feels much better than it did in dystopian 2020. The riots stopped and the crime wave seems to have peaked, with shootings down by nearly 40% and homicides down more than 50% in the early months of 2023. A sober mood shift has taken over the city. Voters passed a ballot measure to restructure city government while the three newest elected officials on the city council are steering Portland in a different direction. The city, county, and state are taking steps to reverse the decline. And this includes the treatments of crime and homelessness and much more. Uh, We're going to post this at our website at michaelmedved.com. It's worth actually looking at an encouraging example saying that that even when things have fallen very far uh you can uh you can still make progress uh there is a um uh a quick uh a soundbite from Fox News with Chris Christie uh talking about uh some of the um context of President Trump's uh, promises from last time when he ran and this time. Uh, listen, clip one. The person who's in front is the person you have to campaign against and you have to beat. And I spent seven years prosecuting cases, Martha. And what you're going to see over the next six months, I'm going to prosecute the case against Donald Trump's second term. And he, he failed. He didn't build the wall. And I want all the viewers out there to know that he's going to tell you something different. There's a quarter of the wall done. He said Mexico was going to pay for it. They haven't paid one peso yet. He said he was going to balance the budget in four years. He left with the biggest deficit of any American president. He said he was going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And when he had an entire Republican Congress, he didn't get it done. And so you got to take with a grain of salt everything he says, including last night saying he didn't have time to go through the boxes that the government was asking him for for a year and a half because he's too busy. Okay, and uh, suggesting maybe he takes some time to check those boxes. Well, maybe you haven't taken time yet to see the new Avatar movie, The Way of Water. 
but it was a fantastic hit. Did it deserve to be? Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. Thirteen years after the first Avatar film became a box office and critical champion, the saga continues with some members of the human race now joining the blue-skinned and long-tailed Na'vi in defending their extrasolar moon, Pandora, against the depredations of earthly colonizers and exploiters in Avatar, The Way of Water. The Way of Water connects all things. This is our home! I need you with me. I need you to be strong. The artful and spectacular computer-generated animation, along with recreations of a lavish array of otherworldly beasts, make for a visual feast, but the melodramatic and two-dimensional plot is undermined by an intrusive and ear-splitting musical score based on themes by the late James Horner. It's rated PG-13 for endless scenes of pursuit and combat. Three stars for the visually stunning but emotionally inert Avatar The Way of Water. And a very long movie it is. People should be forewarned about that. But it's also now one of the top-grossing movies of all time, as the previous Avatar from 13 years ago was. Coming up tomorrow on The Michael Medved Show on Thursday, there's a new Gallup poll out. They do this every year where they ask people what's morally acceptable and what's morally unacceptable. There's some surprising results there about the trend in uh, what people feel about homosexual relationships, what they feel about relationships outside of marriage, uh, and what people feel about birth control, divorce, uh, and more. We will cover it. We'll be speaking also to John Bolton, former National Security Advisor, does he believe that we will inevitably be pressuring Ukraine to make a peace agreement? And uh, Carrie Lake apparently has been living at Mar-a-Lago, People Magazine reports, uh, spending more time there than Melania.